0: Welcome to Disabled Persons Assembly's Notable Radio Show. DPA is the voice of all disabled people, whether the disability be physical, sensory, learning, psychosocial or age-related. Over the next half hour, we'll discover how we can work collaboratively to achieve inclusion for all New Zealanders. DPA's Notable Radio Show, a whole new attitude. Kia ora everyone.
1: Welcome to Disabled Persons Assembly, Dunedin Notable Radio. For this Friday, the 12th of November 2021, it is edging ever closer to Christmas. I hope everyone out there is getting their Christmas plans sorted COVID-dependent, of course. Anyway, on the programme today, we have, and I've been wanting to get this person on for some time, it is Paula Peters, a disability activist, a prominent disability activist at that from the United Kingdom. And she's speaking to us all the way from London and we're recording this, pre-recording this on Wednesday morning. So good morning to you and welcome to the program.
0: Yeah, good morning um, to you, Chris, and good morning to everyone in New Zealand or from London. Good evening, as it's um, we're 13 hours behind you at the moment.
1: That's, that's right, that's daylight saving for you. Anyway, firstly, just to give a bit of bra- background to you. What activist roles have you played over the years and how did you come into the disability activist space?
0: Um, well, I began when I was nine years old um, back in um, 1980. And um, basically, um, I was having hydrotherapy and in my local hospital. We have the National Health Service system here. So um, our health care at the moment is paid through via taxation through national insurance. And um, I was diagnosed with hypermobility joint syndrome, which means um, your joints dislocate easily. And I wasn't able to walk properly. So my doctors decided hydrotherapy. So exercise physio in the water would be really beneficial to me. And I had a year's hydrotherapy then. And within a year, we heard that the hydrotherapy pool was going to close. And, um, you know, I was devastated by this because I owed the hydrotherapy and physio staff a lot. And um, so the community decided to come together, including myself, and we ran a campaign to um, keep the hydrotherapy pool open but because the, most of the hospital was being demolished and sold off for housing, we had to fundraise, um, and this was back then, um, nearly, yeah, just over half a million um, UK sterling. So you're probably looking about a million um, New Zealand uh, dollars, I think it is. And um, so we had about eighteen months to raise the money to keep the pool from closing, and um, we managed to do that. Um, We had an awful lot of support and petitions and what have you. And today the pool um, serves one million um, people in South East London. So that was the first campaign I got involved in. So around the the NHS was the first. And um, later in life, when I was in my 20s, um, I was working for the UK government. And unfortunately, I had a mental health breakdown at my desk and sadly, I lost my job and I was hospitalized and I got involved in the mental health survivor movement. I hated um, the big pharmaceuticals who were, um, you know, numbing um, people in mental distress up on very high toxic medication, which is what I was on. And I saw dreadful psychological abuse on the inpatient wards in a psychiatric setting. So I wanted to do something about that. And I got involved. um, I was under day hospital treatment. So I was having daily therapy and I was heard that was going to close. So I ran the campaign to try and keep that going. And I got involved in a lot of local campaigning um, to help mental health survivors, Um, know what their rights are and fight back so we campaigned for um, community mental health teams um, patients having more of a say in their care things like that really and then um, you know jumped to 2010 um, which is when we had a coalition government then get elected um, which is conservative and Lib Dems coming together which was catastrophic for disabled people Um, you know I got involved on a more national scale on campaigning. So, you know, and I've always been a passionate trade unionist. Um, anyway, I come from a long history of trade unionism. Um, my grandmother um, was a nurse and she met Nye Bevan, the founding father of our NHS state. So my family given 70 years service to the NHS. Um, trade unionism is part of um, my makeup and so yeah, I'm a disability rights activist and trade unionist.
1: That is a very good background. And by the way, too, we do have a hydrotherapy pool we've been working to save here in Dunedin for many, many years. It's still open, however, it's still. Shut at the moment because of COVID, but and other things that have been going on. But anyway, that's a very interesting story that you tell there. Now, that's a very nice segue as well into the next question about the experience of disabled people living in the UK over the last ten years since last since the Tory government came into office. Can you tell us about that and just some of the things that have happened for and to? disabled people in the UK?
0: Um, Well, we have to start back in 2010 when the coalition government came into power and the first thing that George Osborne who was the Chancellor at the time and David Cameron who was our Prime Minister at the time um, ushered in a period of austerity they said the country had no money and um, so what they did was they took 18 billion um, off the um, welfare budget and um, including eight billion of social care support. So disabled people have been at the forefront of some of the fiercest austerity cuts in the last 11 years, which has had a catastrophic impact on disabled people's lives. Um, We've had uh, the closure of the Independent Living Fund, which was an independent pot of money to help disabled people with very high support needs stay independent at home with personal assistance. Um, That was um, closed back in 2015. So um, disabled people who are reassessed for social care had up to 60% of their social care packages cut, which meant that many were unable to um, continue with, say, working, um, were unable to do the most menial of, of support tasks. Many were Um, had their night support taken from them. Uh, Many were given nappies um, and just left in nappies overnight. And, um, you know, given four nappies a month and everything like that, that has had um, a catastrophic impact alone. Um, Cuts to community services. So the welfare rights benefits offices have gone. um, Sure start centres for children have gone. um, just you know the everyday massive cuts to transport systems so the access budgets so to make train stations um accessible to um you know all of that has been cut but it's the um cuts to benefits um the access to work which is a pot of money to help disabled people into employment has been cut there's been massive cuts to jobs, which has impacted on disabled people. Um, the huge cuts to social care, which means that there's been massive job um, cuts, especially with Brexit, which, you know, the UK um, voted for back in 2016. And um, we're having huge problems with freedom of movement from Europe into the UK. Uh, most of our care sector in the UK is made up of... Um, EU nationals who come to the UK to work and many disabled people who've had personal assistance um, from Eastern European countries who've worked with disabled people for 30 years have lost that support network that's had massively devastating impact but I'd say the massive overhaul of the welfare state which has seen disabled people constantly reassessed for the work capability assessment, if you're not working, um, personal independence payments, and sadly, it's cost many lives. The constant stress of benefit assessments, the constant assess um, stress of social care assessments, you know, what it's done, it's plunged disabled people further into poverty in the UK. and. Um, you know, we've, we're in a very, very difficult but and very dark period um, of fighting this government at the moment. And we've got a government that is absolutely vile. There's no other way to describe what kind of government we have in the UK. Many people may think Boris Johnson is funny or a clown, but he's not. He's, he's ruthless. He's nasty. And what we've seen um, in the last 11 years is a massive rise of um, discrimination. Disablism, racism, homophobic attacks. It seems to be here in the UK um, openly acceptable to be racist, um, disabilist, homophobic, and it, it's, a, it's a very much a global problem. And obviously, we spoke before we went on air. Climate change is also having a huge problem, um, impact on disabled people with pollution. And um, especially in London, where I live, we've had a couple of disabled people die because of the higher rise of pollution in London. You know, we've got a, a scheme, you know, the ultra um, low emission zone, which is impacting on disabled people able to drive because they can't afford 12 pounds. What would that be in New Zealand dollars? that will be
1: about $25 or thereabouts. Yeah,
0: that's $25 a day. They've got to pay to use their car in London right, on top of, you know, fuel charges and everything. And also I think, you know, during the pandemic disabled people have been very much hit by rising costs in energy, rising costs in food, you know, not able to get the support they needed during the pandemic, told to stay at home and shield, and that has had you know, not getting the support they need has cost many, many lives in the UK as well.
1: It's a catalogue of horror that i read about, heard about, it's just been absolutely astonishing and you've had to live through this for the last 11 years. Anyway, what actions have been taken by yourself and others down the last decade and how effective have they been?
0: Um, Well, I joined um, Disabled People Against Cuts, um, Dpac for short, back in 2012. And one of the first campaigns we did was about welfare reform. Um, we were very concerned about the cuts to benefits and all the support that um, the 18 billion pounds they were going to take off um, to support disabled people. So we had a huge campaign um, to highlight the impact of the Welfare Reform Act of 2011. And one of the best ways Deepak um, has been actually does, we do a very huge campaign of civil disobedience or direct action. And we feel one of the best ways for disabled people is to be as visible as possible on the streets fighting back. But also we back that up with a huge social media campaign because we know not every disabled person is able to participate out on the street. So we want to make sure our actions are as inclusive as possible. So two of of our first actions were um, the um, roadblock outside Parliament and um, Oxford Circus, where we stopped the traffic for um, two to three hours. And some of our members got arrested and then de-arrested. Then we moved on to, you may have heard of the... um, huge um, disability benefit assessment company called Atos, which is a global conglomeration. You may have heard of them in New Zealand. So we ran a campaign because we had the Olympics um, back in 2012 and the Paralympics and they sponsored the Paralympics Atos, despite the fact we were having huge problems with assessments with them. Mm. So we ran a campaign called Atos Kills um, to highlight the the appalling impact of the outcome of assessments with the work capability assessment. And um, we had huge demonstrations outside their offices, assessment centres, and we had a huge demonstration outside the Paralympic stadium in London, in East London. And the Paralympians, in solidarity with us, hit the Vanyards with the Atos name in it. They actually, and when George Osborne came to speak at that, he was actually booed by everybody in the stadium. <laughs> they were starting to see what was happening. Um, we've had a huge media blackout. We're trying to get the word out with what's been happening to us. The media won't touch us because most of our media are, you know, the BBC is state-owned, so they support the government. And obviously a lot of our media are huge Um, donors to the, the ruling party which is a Tory party at the moment so we've had to be creative in some of the actions then in um 2013 they introduced the bedroom tax so if you had a spare bedroom in your property and you were getting housing benefit so you needed a spare bedroom for a carer to stay overnight you lost some of your support so we went to Ian Duncan Smith's house who was the um department of work and pensions secretary and we put an eviction notice on his door we found out where he lived and we put an eviction notice on his door and we occupied his grounds and filmed it and every time the government tried to take it down the film footage we put it back up then in 2014 um, we had a huge campaign to save the independent living fund and we had a court case we've taken the government's court numerous times a few times we've won. A lot of times we haven't, but we've taken the government's court. So we've had to learn the law to beat them at their own laws. Um, so we had this huge campaign to save the ILF. And um, it resulted in a very, a couple of visible actions. Um, we occupied Westminster Abbey's Grounds, which is our huge, huge cathedral. You may have seen it on the news. they have royal weddings and everything there. And we had a huge action there where we occupied the grounds of Westminster Abbey to force the debate between church and state because Westminster Abbey is the Queen's Church. So it's right. we trying to force the debate. So we chained ourselves to the church railings and we had 350 police officers um charge the grounds and they were armed and they kettled us. And um, there was a standoff or a sit-in for us, because we use equipment, um, to um, force a debate. Um, We trended all over Twitter and Facebook. And we um, got a mention um, from the Glastonbury stage, actually, around that action. And um, we had Pride around that time. London Pride is around the end of June. And um, so many people come to support us. Then in 2015 we had more cuts. We had a we had a Tory uh, majority government then. How on earth that happened we can't tell you, but it did. And George Osborne ushered in more social care cuts and more benefit cuts for us. So we had a we decided to ramp it up even further. And on the 23rd of June 2015, we stormed Parliament for the right for independent living. So we nearly got into the House of Commons chamber during Prime Minister's questions. And um, we were all over the news and, you know, just everywhere. Everybody, we literally come out of Parliament when we shut Parliament for two to three hours, went out into Westminster, blocked the roads around there, and then we blocked them all the way up to um, number 10 Downing Street. That was one of the best actions. then. We had, there was a budget three weeks after that called Balls to the Budget. And um, so we made a great big um, 20 metre banner, which said Balls to the Budget. So it was our way of telling George Osborne we weren't going to take it. And we stuck a big two fingers up to, did a huge banner drop right across Parliament, told MPs, took out the window. And we shut Westminster Bridge off for like an hour and a half. We were doing things like that before Extinction Rebellion were doing things like that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And disabled people have a long and proud history of taking direct action for equality and social change. That's really decades globally, you know. We're not ones to run from a fight. So, yeah, that's some of our actions. And then in 2016, we had a huge action to highlight... um, the appalling outcome of um, the benefit assessment. So we had a memorial on Westminster Bridge. We shut the bridge down again. And, um, yeah, it's been a lot of direct action, blocking bridges, occupying Parliament, shutting roads, having creative actions where we've owned the space to tell the government we're here, we're not frightened of you. Um, We're fighting back, basically. We're in a very, let's just say, if you've not read... Ellen Clifford's book, The War on Disabled People, who's a fellow activist um, and friend of mine, I would say read that book and then you'll get a really big overview of what we're in against this go- We are in a war with this government. That is basically I've- what this is.
1: I'm going to buy and order that book And get it to New Zealand So uh, thank you for mentioning that that again Anyway, we are coming, running out of time And anyway, finally Is there any cause for hope on the horizon or not?
0: There's always hope As long as um, you're prepared to take action You can bring about you know social change the thing is i think it was john McDonnell and jeremy corbyn and they've always been big supporters of us and we're really gutted they never got elected you know know. 2017 they were so close you know so close um but john McDonnell always said this he said change doesn't happen in parliament it happens in our streets it happens in our communities it happens on our street corners said debate doesn't take place in parliament It happens on our streets, in our communities. He said, you bring about the change, you force it into Parliament. You know, what we've done is we've really highlighted the impact and what's happening by this government. But also, we thought, you know, we have fought on our own terms and given them a lot of headaches. And I think, you know, yeah really huge battle, but you've got to cling to hope because if you have no hope, you know, and I think my favourite line out of Shawshank Redemption, I think, it always comes to me, you know, you know, hope is a good thing and no good thing ever dies, you know, and activism is a good thing. And if you've got someone who's prepared to fight and you bring about the change that makes good, not only for you, but for others, and that's a good thing and you have to cling to that.
1: On that note, Paula, it's been great to talk to you finally. And I have to say I still remember sitting up on various UK election nights and having a roller coaster of reactions alongside you and feelings and also watching those campaigns. Be rest assured that we did see some of your efforts even publicized in our media in New Zealand. So your um, campaigns have reached a wide audience. So thank on that you. note, thank you so much for talking to us. And thank we you. hope to have you back again and perhaps love some other to. UK yes and perhaps some other UK actors because I think it would be a really yeah. great show to have. But anyway, thank you for your time over My in pleasure. London UK. And on that note listeners, we just have to say thank you and for this listening us, this Friday, the November 12th, by the way, just one more very quick thing is that our DPA, AGM, DPA Dunedin AGM is coming up online this year on Wednesday, November the 24th, from 12 noon to 1.30pm. We are trying to get a guest speaker at the moment, but we're working on that and we'll let you know. And we've also got an International Day of People with Disabilities event coming up on December 3rd, also online as well. Anyway, that's me for this fortnight. Thank you so much for listening and have a good two weeks. See you again on Friday, November the twenty-sixth. If you miss the show or other shows, please listen on our Otago Access Radio website or on the Internet Access Radio app. That's me for now and see you on the twenty sixth. Okay, Kitiano.